I'm trying to stay with the times, but you know, technology has its difficulties. And it really is great just to be together. And uh, you know, it's great to celebrate. I just kind of like the idea that the world is aware that it's Christmas. And uh, you know, Christmas isn't something that's out of the Bible directly. Only two of the Gospels even tell us a little of the story of Jesus' nativity, etc. Of course, it is the true story, and it's central to the message of Christ, that the Son of God became flesh. But uh, Christmas itself has sort of become quite a tradition in how we celebrate it. And I think it's an awesome tradition. We celebrate it in our family with lots of love and enthusiasm. And uh, the Christmas tree comes out usually about the 1st of December. And uh, we just enjoy those little twinkly lights and, and those different decorations that people have given us through the years. And, and there's a lot of memories that come out of the box, you know, when we start to uh, decorate the tree. But, you know, I want to talk about, and I just have to say this with enthusiasm, the best Christmas gift ever. Like, I mean, like, this is the best gift ever that we're going to talk about. Gift giving has definitely become part of the Christian tradition. And uh, most people would attribute it to the wise men. They bore gifts. Now, what's interesting is the wise men didn't show up for at least a few weeks, if not even months, until after Jesus was born. So uh, they didn't, he didn't get gifts at Christmas. I don't know what the shepherds brought in. Probably a distinct aroma. But uh, seeing as it was actually in the manger already, in the barn, maybe that didn't change anything at all. Maybe you know, it, was just a, it was just an environmental thing. But, but they came giving praise to God. And that was the gift they gave of praise. Now, unfortunately, this commercial side of gift giving has become a little overpowering. Have, have you noticed that? It's so overpowering as we are singing some of the carols and for some of those old English words, um, you know, you don't quite know what they're saying until you look at the context or figure it out. But I noticed in one carol we sang, I owe, I owe. And I was just kind of thinking, uh, what does that mean, I owe, I owe? Uh, is that referring to the uh, gifts we bought for Christmas? But no, we'll get into that. Uh, but, you know, sadly there's this commercial side of gift giving. And I just want to you know, talk about that for a moment because sometimes we can get caught up in Christmas and forget really what an incredible opportunity it is to talk about the real gift, the best gift ever. Uh, when did Black Friday come to England? Anybody know? It, it, was, it was just recently, right? I mean, last year even. Oh, I mean, I just want to say, though I'm a Canadian, Forgive us. Because I know it's been imported. But there's a really interesting story about Black Friday. I just want to share it because I think it kind of points out sort of where our society's at. So just bear with me. This is Black Friday. We can read this together. It says, It's the day following Thanksgiving Day in the United States before Thursday, November. Now, I distinctly remember about... And probably, it was probably 30 years ago, saying to some friends, I love Thanksgiving because it's the only non-commercialized holiday in our calendar. I mean, I think somebody heard me say it and took it as a personal challenge. Because look what happened. Many non-retail employees and schools have both Thanksgiving and the following Friday off which along with the following regular weekend makes it a four-day weekend, thereby increasing the number of potential shoppers. It has routinely 
been the busiest shopping day of the year since 2005. In 2014, spending volume on Black Friday fell for the first time since the 2008 recession. These are American numbers. 50.9 billion was spent that weekend. Isn't that just crazy, okay? That was down 11% from the previous year. However, the U.S. economy is not in recession. Christmas creep has been cited as a factor in the diminishing importance of Black Friday, as many retailers now spread out their promotions over the entire months of November and December rather than concentrate them on a single shopping day or weekend. And doesn't my email inbox verify that? Isn't it crazy? Okay, so here was a, a holiday. It began, it was like almost 400 years ago, with the coming of the pilgrims over to America, and, and I mean Canada and the U.S. at that time. Uh, they're coming over and having their harvest as free people, maybe for the first time many of them landowners, and now they're like, who knew who owned the land? Uh, That's a big dispute, but anyways, uh, they came over, they celebrated harvest and Thanksgiving. And so that's where it came from. And about 200 years later, it was actually established as a regular holiday by George Washington. You know, so it became a, a uh, the last 200 years, it's an official holiday. But it wasn't connected to any particular religious festival. It was just a time for people to say thank you to God. Look what's happened. The earliest evidence of the phrase Black Friday applied to the day after Thanksgiving in a shopping context suggests the term originated in Philadelphia, where it was used to describe the heavy and disruptive pedestrian and vehicle traffic that would occur on the day after Thanksgiving. This usage dates back to 1961. More than 20 years later, as the phrase became more widespread, a popular explanation became that this day represented the point in the year when retailers began to turn a profit, thus going from being in the red to being in the black, which actually isn't true, but I've heard this explanation before. And so there's so much sales done, finally it pays to be a shopkeeper. Listen, if it didn't pay to be a shopkeeper until the last week in November, there wouldn't be shopkeepers, okay? So what happens? For many years, it was common for retailers to open at 6 a.m. But in the late 2000s, many had crept to 5 or 4 this was taken to a new extreme in 2011 when several retailers, including Target, Kohl's, Macy's, Best Buy, and Beals, opened at midnight for the first time. In 2012, Walmart and several other retailers announced they would open most of their stores at 8 p.m. on Thanksgiving Day and stay open, prompting a call calls for a walkout among some workers. But isn't this crazy? In 2014, Stores such as JCPenney, Best Buy, Radio Shack opened at 5 p.m. on Thanksgiving Day, and stores such as Target, Walmart, Beck, Sears opened at 6 p.m. on Thanksgiving Day. Three, three states, though, Rhode Island, Maine, and Massachusetts, prohibit large supermarkets, big box stores, and department stores from opening on Thanksgiving due to blue laws. Now, we used to have blue laws in the U.K. back in the probably late eight, or up to the late 80s, where store, many stores weren't open on Sunday, and, and some of us remember that. So there's, there's been reports of violence occurring between shoppers on Black Friday. Since 2006, there have been seven reported deaths and 98 injuries throughout the United States. It's common for prospective shoppers to camp out over the Thanksgiving holiday in an effort to secure a place in front of the line and thus a better chance at getting desired items. 
step at a time. Okay. You know, uh, it's a great, it's a great little clip because uh, he was so upset with people, and he just figured out, you know what? It's all about giving gifts. No one gives me anything, so I'm going to steal Christmas. But then he realized, okay, it wasn't about that. Now, what's interesting about that movie is there's no mention of Jesus in the whole movie either. Christmas is it's held at a high, high esteem. It's a high regard. It's, it's a great family celebration. It's a great time for community. But isn't it interesting that the Grinch who stole Christmas, we don't even find out in the movie what Christmas is. It's, it's never defined. And actually, the best Christmas gift ever is Jesus. I mean, the center of Christmas is Jesus himself. As we go into this holiday season, and, and uh, I anticipate most people have a few days off, and, you know, there'll be some time for family get-togethers and things, let's just really think about the best Christmas gift ever. Look over in John 3.16, it's already been mentioned today. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, but whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, this word love in Greek, it's agape. It's the kind of love that you're willing to sacrifice yourself for. Isn't it incredible to think that God has self-sacrificing love for us? Because when you look at what God has done, it makes complete sense. He loved the world so much, He gave up His dearest and best. He gave up His Son for us. God is all about giving. We're going to read a couple of scriptures just to see how this point is so true. 1 Peter 1, verses 18 to 21. He says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you redeemed from the empty way of life. Now, would you complain if somebody gave you silver or gold? Now, silver and gold are usually considered acceptable gifts. Yes. But it wasn't with anything like silver or gold that we were redeemed from empty lives. It was with something much, much more precious. It was with the precious blood of Christ, which we just celebrated in the communion, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world that was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him and so your faith and hope are in God. And who likes planning for the celebration of Christmas or other family events? Isn't the planning of it exciting? You're just anticipating getting together, seeing everybody. It's going to be wonderful. A few of the moms are going, well, it's like, yeah, okay, understand. And Dad says, pull in with his cooking a little more, okay. But anyway, um, you know, but, but God was planning the best gift ever from before he made us. What it shows about God is he actually knew what was going to happen. That's not surprising. He's God. He knew in giving us free will that we would choose, at least in the first place, wrongly. And use that free will to sin. And through Jesus, he gives us a way back to him. So from the very beginning, God knew what it would cost him. It would cost him his son for us to be saved. Look over in Romans 8, 31 to 32. It says, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
graciously give us all things. And God was thinking, what must I give to my people that I love? It says he didn't spare his son. The most precious thing we know of that he had. He didn't spare that. He didn't save it for someone else. He gave his son for us. If that's how God loves us, how do you think God feels about you right now? If God, since the creation of the earth, has been wanting to pay for your sins with the blood of his son, how does he feel about you today? Well, Andy, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. What you've done doesn't change how God feels towards you. God loves you. God values you. God is willing to give you His Son as a gift. Look at this other verse, Romans 5, 1 to 5. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in the suffering, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us. You know, did I just jump over a verse? No, I left the verse out of my text. Okay. Okay, I have no way to fix that. I think that was exactly the verse I was looking for. Okay, 2 Peter 1, 3 to 4. I'm going to ask someone to stand and read that loudly. Anybody? Marion, you have an awesome Yes. It would be 2 Peter 1, 3 to 4. Sorry, I missed that. Yep. describing God's heart for us. God is all about giving. God has given us everything we need in life and godliness. We don't need to be waiting around for anything. He's given us what we need. Now it's interesting, he says, by receiving this, we can participate in the divine nature. What is the divine nature? It's love and it's self-sacrificial love. It's giving. He's given to us so we can be like Him in our giving. It's so awesome when we give gifts to our children. It's so awesome when we give gifts to people we love. You know, even as we give gifts to people we don't know, trying to help someone on the street, preparing some some lunch or gathering clothes as was done today and then passed out. You know, we're just giving of our time, going and caroling in uh, some of the care homes as some have done in the last week. It's exciting to give, is it not? Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so God has given to us, not just that He wants us all tucked in and cozy and happy with our lives, He's empowering us to become more like Him. So as we give, as we receive, we can give. And there's not a single 
gift that can't be passed on? Can, can forgiveness be passed on? Can love be passed on? Can kindness be passed on? In fact, these things are called fruits of the Spirit in our hearts. God encourages them and God gives us the power for them to love, be kind, to be patient in ways we could never do without Him. To forgive in ways we never could without Him. See, God is all about giving. It's interesting, when I think about gifts often, either buying them or receiving them, it seems like there's two categories of gifts. There's things that I need or others need, and there's things that I want or others want. You know, There's wants and needs. Now, I remember back as a kid, my grandmother always bought me what I needed. I mean, there was no surprise what was in Grandma's present. You just kind of squeeze it, oh, it's two pairs of socks. And I remember my mom going, well, be grateful, Andy, be grateful. Two more pairs of socks. Hey, when you're eight years old, two pairs of socks? I don't know, maybe if they were signed by Ronaldo or something, I don't know. But just two pairs of ordinary socks, it, it didn't, didn't fire me up. Now I'm happy someone gives me two pairs of socks, you know. As, as you get older, you start to appreciate your needs being met. You know, the truth is, I think we've lost contact with how much God gives. And often because our needs are met, we don't feel like anyone's giving us anything. Uh, you know, in Dickens' Christmas Carol, there's this big celebration because they have a goose for Christmas. Just a goose. And, and, and in many places in the world, it's not that people are voluntarily vegetarians, but a lot of people don't eat meat every day. Meat is reserved for feasts and celebrations, as is some other kinds of food as well. But do you understand what I'm saying? We can take so much for granted. And we start thinking about this being what we want more than what we need. I think actually this can sneak into our Christian lives. Because God who covers everything we need sometimes, we don't see that. We forget that because we're thinking about what we want. And it's something that we don't yet have. Through Christ... We have amazing gifts, and that's now going to take us to the, the Romans 5 passage. In Jesus Christ, we've been given all things. Let's just read this together. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace through God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. You know, God is a covenantal God. He's given us precious and great promises. To enter into salvation, you must respond to the gospel call. And it's by faith we have access into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Back in Romans 3, it says everyone sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But now in His grace, we can have hope of the glory of God again. A transformation. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering. And I'm just going to repeat this one because this one's hard for our ears to hear. 
Not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering. When I suffer, my first reflex isn't rejoice. Now James 1 says it too. Count it joy, brothers, whenever you face trials of various kinds. But that's not my, my first response is, why am I suffering? Well, look what happens when you're suffering within God's will. It's because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us. But look at all the things God has given us. He's given us grace. He's given us the capacity and opportunity for faith. That's a gift in itself. But look what He's also given us. The Holy Spirit, which pours love into our hearts. And that's one thing that He's given us sufferings as well. Because through those sufferings, we're transformed. Now, we've talked about this before. Getting what you want all the time doesn't make your character better. We call it being spoiled. But God wants the very best for us. And so even in our difficulties, and we all face them, God is training us and teaching us. And He says later in Romans 8, all things work to good for those who love Him. Let's read another thing that, that God gives us in Jesus. Romans 8, verses 1 to 4. It says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. The law, the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature. God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so God condemned sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who did not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Now, Jesus came and He lived perfectly. There's bad news and good news there. The minute that Jesus finished His life perfectly, we all lost our favorite excuse about why we sin. Randy, why do you sin? I'm only human. That's what humans do. That's what it says right there. He condemns sin in sinful men. How? By being in an exact same flesh as us, in exact kind of situations, he was tempted in every way as us, yet he didn't sin. And now he shares that righteousness with us. What an amazing gift we have. And just one other gift, eternal life. Eternal life with God. Romans 6.23 The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, when you're a Christian, you don't want what you deserve. You don't want what you've earned. You want the gift. And that gift is eternal life in Christ Jesus. The interesting thing is we look at these gifts... These aren't things we, we want all the time because we're not in touch with what we really need. But as we look at the Scriptures and as we look at Jesus, we look at His life, and we read what's written, we start to understand, this is what I need. No condemnation. No guilt before God. 
The blood of Christ washes it away. Isn't that awesome? That is a gift. Eternity with God forever. That's a gift. Everything we need for life and godliness. Grace, the Holy Spirit, all of these things, and even meaning in our suffering. The fact is, what more could we want when we, act, when we have the best gift ever? It's funny, sometimes we're not in touch with what we need. And uh, the, the carolers, uh, the uh, teen parents and teens, we went out caroling in our neighborhood. And I just want to thank everybody for doing that and reaching out to our neighbors. It's funny, I think it was the second house we went to. There was a Chinese family there, and, and uh, the father, he's in his 30s, he's studying philosophy. And, uh, you know, we're talking, and there's, a, there's this precocious little six-year-old girl. And she, just, she was the one that came to the door. And her mother's behind her, but she opened the door. She greeted us. You know, there's just all this energy. And I don't know exactly how it happened, but by the time we got to the next house, we sang two songs for them, or just one song, yeah, one song. We went to the next house, and I turned around to, to, after the, the family had said, yes, please sing us a song. I turned around, and there was David and his daughter Rebecca, our neighbors, put on their coats and came outside to carol with us. And she was just so enthusiastic, and she's got her hand in Dad's hand, and, you know, and, and Dad's got, like, you know, Dad was smiling stuff, but definitely, you know, I don't know how they ended up with us, but watching the rest of the evening, I think she grabbed him and said, I want to go. Because throughout the evening, he would say to her, so, are you ready to go home? And she'd go, no. They stayed for an hour. They stayed for an hour fellowship together as we shared we did this little white elephant gift exchange and various things and she was just right there enjoying every minute of it and I'm thinking to myself the six year old knows what's really important here tonight you know you know it's incredible do we really appreciate what we've been given because Christmas is a time I know it brings back memories I know for me personally now there's much more loss associated with Christmas time. But you know what's interesting? When you think about Christ, that puts everything in perspective. When you think about the gift of Jesus, then actually I see the joy of Christmas. Now, one last clip I want to watch and share with you. And uh, this is just some wise words from Linus and the Charlie Brown Christmas.
all about. I just encourage you during this Christmas time to remember that. What easier time to even share with someone who's not so understanding of what Christmas is to tell them the real story. What is behind Christmas? What is it all about? It's about the most amazing gift ever given. It's where the creator of the universe gave his son to die on a cross for us. Let's pray together as the worship team comes and takes up place. Father, mighty God, we are so grateful for the rich blessings that you give us in Christ Jesus. And Father, truly the greatest gift is one that was given 2,000 years ago when your son came and took flesh and lived a human life here among us. And Father, we are amazed by how he lived. Father, we're amazed by his devotion to you. And Father, we know that he longed to be restored to glory, to be back with you. But we also know that he, he had a task before him, a sacrifice of love to make. Mm-hmm. And Father, he made it willingly, even though it was difficult. Father, I pray that we can look at our lives and see the blessings that you put in our lives because of Jesus Christ.